I think the next several weeks are very, very, very critical um, as we enter into a new series, I think uh, called Brand New. Um, there's a whole lot more to this Christian walk, I think, than what we experience so many times. Sometimes we think it's just about heaven and hell and it's about eternity. But let me tell you what, guys. Our Heavenly Father just didn't die so that we are, our eternity would be secure, but it's much larger than that, that we have the ability to experience real life, new life, brand new life here on this earth. Okay? Is that an amen or is that an oh me type situation? But why in the world is it that we continue to do the same old things over and over and over and over and over and over again? And yet we say we're living in this new and abundant life that Christ offers us. So there's got to be more. Right, Wes? Why do we act like a bunch of dumb nuts, you know? Why do we continue to do some of the same old crazy things when we're supposed to be experiencing this new life, Richard, that the Scripture talks so much about, this abundant life in Christ? So I'm talking to myself. Why do we struggle with some of the things that we struggle with? Why do we do that? I mean, if we're supposed to be brand new, why aren't we brand new? If we're, if we're out of Adam and into Christ, where is this new life, this brand new life in Christ? I mean, if we're on this journey together, what does it look like? So we're going to talk about that over the next several weeks as we walk through some very, very critical passages of Scripture, I think, for not only us individuals as individuals, but also us as a church, and so my prayer has been that God, would you open up our eyes that we may see something and see it so clearly that maybe we've never seen it or understood it before. That when I'm taken out of Adam and I've, I've been placed in Christ, we are brand new. We're brand new. The old things are passed away, and I'm a new Creature in Christ is what the scripture has to say. So to sort of kick us off, we wanted to do something a little differently this morning because one of our staff is, is very trained and adept in some things, and I wanted this person to be able to share with us today um, because they travel all over the, all over the country talking um, and, and talking about this issue. And so I asked them this morning, listen, I want you to share with us this morning to sort of kick us off and to start us off in this, in this series called Brand New. Some of you know Sheila, but you don't really know Sheila. You see her running around and she's doing this or she's doing that or she's picking with this or she's, you know, she's all over the place. But you don't really know her past. You just know Sheila. You don't know that, that she was an entrepreneur and that she was a, a business owner and you don't know that that she was a very, very good business owner. For 18 years, she stayed in the home. And when she came out, she became not only just an entrepreneur, but a very, very good entrepreneur of a, of a multi-million dollar company that would eventually become some of the fastest growing, I think for a couple of years, the fastest growing in the nation. Uh, she's had the ability to speak all over the country on what she's going to talk about today. But we have the privilege of 
of having her here with us on a daily basis, fussing at us about finances and fussing us about don't do this and don't do that, you gotta do this, and so I'm so blessed, I don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. She makes sure that it's all handled. So I have that privilege, but today, she's going to talk to us and she's going to teach us and she is an outstanding teacher and so we are very privileged to be able to have her today um, and to speak to us and to lead us as we kick off this series on on brand new next week what i want to be able to have for you i want to be able to have for you some cards that maybe might have some key verses that I, that, that can be verses that you can specifically memorize and and, and put to your heart so that as you're going along, you can think about this. Because let me tell you what, guys, we got to get that junk off of us that we've carried around for so long if we are brand new in Christ. And we got to figure out what it means to look like to be brand new and to walk in the newness of our relationship with Him. So I want you to pray. I want you to buckle in. I brought my big Bible this morning. The big one. I don't have to carry my little one. I got my big Bible and I got my notes so I can write my notes in here because I want to take good notes. Um, but Sheila, will you come today and will you share with us? And before she shares, I want to pray for you because this is what I know. You need to hear what we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks. I need to hear what we're going to talk about. This is a crucial, crucial time for every one of us in this room. So let me pray with you. Father, would you speak to our hearts today? That's what I'm praying. Lord, I want to have a better grip, a grasp on what it means to live in Christ. Father, I want to, I want to have a better understanding of just of, of my place. And Father, the fact that I'm not saved at all by anything good that I do, but only by your grace. Father, I want to understand what it means to live in that abundant life that you you, you so outlined for us in that book of John. Father, help us to grasp today what will be spoken, the words that will be given. Father, the scripture that will be read. And Father, may it penetrate down to the bones and the marrow of our souls. Father, I'm praying that as we walk through this series that there are just going to be those aha moments, those times that we just go, man, why have I never seen that? I've never understood that. Lord, help us to, to grasp something during our time together that is going to not just motivate us, but Father, it's going to bring us a tremendous amount of, ass of assurance, and it's going to propel us to be courageous um, in our walk with you. Help us not to be afraid today, but help us anticipate what's going to be said. Father, we're asking this because we have faith, and we're trusting you this morning. So speak to our hearts as you as you speak through your messenger, Sheila, this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Hey, that was a good greeting this morning. When you came in this morning, you were given a sheet that looks like the one that's up on uh, the screen. And this is an awareness, a spiritual awareness assessment. And this is something that Pastor wanted us to be able to give out. It's based upon the seven core values of Heritage Community Church. 
And he would like this week, as you go through your week and you have your time apart with the Father, that you would really stop and evaluate yourself. You know, 2 Corinthians 13 tells us that we are to examine ourselves. Now, we go to the doctor and we get examined, and we go to the gym and we get a trainer and we have him examine us, and we say, okay, he says, okay, you need to work on your core, you need to work on this or your upper body. And we can't do it all at once. But by doing this awareness assessment, you'll be able to stop and you'll be able to think and say, okay, you know, I'm really good with my intimacy with God, but I'm not real good with a kingdom perspective when I'm out in the world every day. And God can reveal to us so much of where he wants to speak to us and what he wants to be able to say to us as we go into the word by not trying to get it all at once, but just finding out what the next step is that he wants us to take. Now, you just put zero to four, and it, don't get upset with all those words that say always, because that's the goal. But how much do you do that and be able to see where you are in your spiritual growth? Some of the small groups have already done this and have found out some astronomical things about what they are supposed to do. Don't forget in Ephesians 5 it says to be careful how you live. To be careful how you live. So go over this sheet this week. It's so necessary. You know, as I travel around the country, I find out more and more that true believers are really questioning isn't there more to the Christian life than I'm experiencing? Has anybody ever felt that way besides me? You know, it just seems like that no matter what I do, I can't do what God wants me to do, or I can't get God to do what I want him to do, and there has just got to be more. And I've thought, why is that? And as I've talked to people all over the country, I found out it's really cultural captivity. We've been overcome by the barrenness of busyness. We are so busy that we lose sense of the purpose behind what we're doing. We're just doing the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And it's like we're on a treadmill and we can't get off. And there's an issue of compromise and conformity. You know, it tells us in 2 Corinthians 11 that we are not to buy into the deception of the evil one of what the good life is. But how is, he, is it for us? to compromise just a little bit because it seems like the good life. And Jesus' prayer in John 17, and this is when he was praying for the disciples before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prayed for us too. He said, They are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. When I read that, I have to examine myself, and I have to say, am I allowing myself to become defined by the world? Several years ago, when I was spending time with my grandchildren, because my son and his wife were going away, I was a little bit antsy. You see, they have five children. Now, my daughter-in-law is really good at handling them, but I was afraid I was going to lose one of them when we crossed the street or when something happened, you know. So I wanted to make sure that they clearly understood the instructions that I gave them. So I made up this little game, and it was called, I Got It. Now, every time that Mimi said something to them, then they were to raise their hands and their fist, and they were to say, I got it, Mimi. And they got really, really good at it. 
Well, one day I told them to pick up their toys, and we would, as soon as they got their toys picked up, that we would make some brownies. And they said, I got it. And you've never seen toys be picked up any faster than that was. Well, we made these really, really gooey chocolate brownies. You know, those double chocolate ones that have all the stuff inside. And they ate them. And after a while, Madison came walking over to me, and she says, Mimi, I got it. And I said, what have you got, honey? She said, I've got it that when we do what you say to do, we get the really good stuff. Now, she had that really good stuff all over her mouth. Well, after we got them to bed, I sat down for a few minutes, and I started thinking, you know, that really applies to us, doesn't it? When we don't practice selective obedience with our Father. That's when we get to experience the really good stuff. I'm not talking about nothing ever goes wrong or anything like that. I'm talking about the peace when things do go wrong. I'm talking about the joy that we can have even when there seems to be so much crisis going on around us. I'm talking about the hope when there doesn't seem to be hope and being able to walk through the day every day just doing what God has asked us to do in the marketplace or wherever it is and being able to say yay God because I'm able to do this and even though we get tired and we get worn out we still can see God in everything that we're doing you know it's so easy though for us to keep doing the next thing and the next thing, and the next thing, without ever stopping to think about that real life is in Jesus Christ, and that he lives in us, and that we're on a joint journey with Jesus. And yet God's word is straightforward that we are to intentionally live a life shaped by God. Say intentionally. Intentionally is important. Because it doesn't just happen. Each and every one of us have to be intentional. When we walk out that door, that every choice and every decision we ever made is intentionally made consistent and in sync with God's word. Now, when Sid asked me about this and we were talking and what I teach is about how I can look back over the last 50 years of my joint journey with Jesus and I can stop and I can see things that if I had just gotten them sooner, I would have been responsive. My light would have been brighter and the joy would have been there. How many times I would have made choices that wouldn't have hurt me or someone else. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. It's something that we really don't like to talk about. It's obedience and how to do that. And we're going to first look at a scripture by the Apostle Paul. I meant the Apostle Peter. It's from 1 Peter 1, 14 through 17. Now, I've got the message up here. You know, the message is a paraphrase of God's Word. I don't study in God's Word, but it's done in street language of the day. And sometimes when we read it, it just clicks a little bit more. But let me encourage you to also go home and read this in the New Living Translation that we use. It says, don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil doing just what you like doing. You didn't know any better then, but you do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled 
into a way of life shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy, you be holy. You call out to God for help, and he helps. He's a good father that way. But don't forget, he's also a responsible father and won't let you get by with sloppy living. Your life is a journey you must travel with a deep consciousness of God. Your life is a journey that you must travel with a deep consciousness of God. That's real life. Because Jesus Christ lives in us. Now, I intentionally live in the life shaped by God. There are some things that I wished I had gotten first. You know, he said, as obedient children. And I wish that I had learned earlier to live out of my real identity in Jesus Christ. When I ask you who you are, what would be the first thing that would come to your mind? Come on. Wife? mother, grandmother, businessman, the way that you see yourself because that's what we have taken. That is up being our identity, but that is not our identity. Those are assignments that God has given us so that we can have interaction with those people and through those people we can become more like Jesus Christ and make Jesus Christ more meaningful to them. Our real identity as obedient children because it says... In John 1, to all who receive him, he gives the power, and believe in him, he gives the power to become the children of God. And when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, when we believe and when we receive, we are the children of God. We are now new creations. We are new people in Christ. And I wish I'd gotten that sooner so that every decision that I had made would be made out of that identity. Now, if I make my decision as being John's wife, the decision that I make sometimes is going to be entirely different than if I stop and think about being God's woman, isn't it? And when I make how I respond to my children can be so different than it is when I respond as God's woman because it says not to provoke my children unto wrath. So the way that I respond. The choices I make with my children are different if I'm making it out of my identity as God's woman. Because it says to train up the children in the way that they should go. And is the choice that I'm making really chaining them up in the way that they should go? Or because I want to be a good mother and be their very best friend? Our real identity is in Jesus Christ. And that's what we want the world to be able to see. You know they're waiting to be able to see that. The thing, second thing is living out of my real power source, and that's the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, for way too many years of my life, I never even heard the word Holy Spirit. It was like we didn't want to talk about it. It was something we don't understand. You know, I don't really understand the Holy Spirit completely, but I know him personally. Because, see, he is a person. And when I realize that those knots that I get in my stomach are the Holy Spirit telling me to recalculate. And when I realize that those verses that are going through my mind and that uneasiness that I feel when I'm making a decision are the Holy Spirit, then I realize that that person is with me all the time, that he lives in me. Jesus also told his disciples, I am not going to leave you alone as orphans. He said, I am going to send an advocate 
one of like kind with me to come alongside and to live into you and to be with you. And he will guide you into all truth. He will bring to remembrance everything I have taught you. If we don't get it, if we can't say, I've got it, that the Holy Spirit lives in us and that it's his voice that we're listening to. People are always saying, how do you know it's his voice? If it's consistent with God's word, it's his voice. If it's consistent with the compromise of the culture that we live in, it's not his voice. You know, it's real hard to understand the Holy Spirit and when we talk about him being a person. But I learned from my grandchildren, and when they were real young, I have a grandson named David, and he said all of his life he's going to be a preacher, and I believe it. But we were sitting down with a couple of those, and they were really young, and I was reading, and we were talking about the Holy Spirit, and, you know, trying to explain it to myself is very hard to do, but trying to explain it to a child is even harder to do. David looked at me, and he said, I got it, Mimi. The Holy Spirit is a person without skin on who lives in me and uses my skin. The Holy Spirit is a person without skin on, who lives in me and uses my skin, my hands, my legs, my behavior, and everything that I do to be Christ in the world. Sid's always telling us to go. The reality is, as God's children, we are new creations. We're really no longer human beings seeking a spiritual experience but when we become new creations in Christ we have become spiritual beings who are living out a human experience just like Jesus Christ did chew on that for a minute when we are believers in Christ we are new creations we are born of the Spirit. We are no longer human beings seeking to try and find a spiritual experience. But we are spiritual beings because the Holy Spirit has come to live in us. And we are spiritual beings who are now living out a human experience to make Jesus Christ more meaningful to everyone in our sphere of influence. That's transforming the mind to think about who we are in Christ. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. He's your bestest friend. And he lives in you. Listen for him. He speaks. He hears. He gives us the ability. He is our power source. You know, the next thing that I wish that I had gotten was to get a better focus Pleasing the Father because holiness is not an optional part of life. It's God's intentional process for our life. You know, I don't know about you, but the minute I hear the word holy, when it says be holy as I am holy, I want to give you a disclaimer. <laughs> because I know that I'm not like God. I know God does exactly what God says he's going to do and I don't. I kind of vacillate. What about you? Do you do that too? I know that God's character is always the same, that it's never different. And that he is always going to speak truth. And that he's going to work in it through our lives. But I don't do that. But you know the word holy comes from the same Hebrew root word as sanctify or sanctification. It means unique. 
it means different and it means set apart. And the minute that the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, we are unique and we are different. I thought holiness was something that was unattainable. That it was like a brass ring on a merry-go-round that you try to reach out and you get and you can never get it. It's just a little bit farther away from you. But holiness has absolutely nothing to do with being good. But everything to do with being God's. It doesn't have anything to do with being good. It has everything to do with being God's. And when I am God, positionally, he has set me apart for a purpose. And that purpose is to become more like Jesus Christ and to make him meaningful to those in my sphere of influence. And I am to be unique and I am to be different so that the world can see a difference. You know, they're not looking for our perfection. They're looking to see how being different in this world can give them something that they are longing for and that is peace and hope and joy. Now, there's a process to this. Now, when I say the word process sometimes because we're always saying, oh, well, you know, it's just a process and I'm not there. And sometimes we use that as a cop-out, don't we? You know, it's an easy way to say, just look over what I'm doing. But God doesn't do that. Remember what the scripture said up there? It said he's not going to let us get by with sloppy living. There's a synchronized lifestyle. And it's been, it says when you are in, live in the spirit, that you are to walk in the spirit. That you are to be in sync with God and everything that he does. Now, this synchronized lifestyle is a partnership that we have with God. And God's part is that he works. He does all of the work. You know, John 5, 17 says God is always working and Jesus is working too. God works in us to will and to do of our good pleasure in Philippians 2, 13. And in 1 Peter 1, 5, it says God works keeping us by his power through faith until the last time. And Philippians 1 says God works faithfully finishing what he has started. God works faithfully finishing what he has started. God does all the work in our lives. We can't do any of it. Have you got that? Have you got it? There is absolutely, Jesus himself said, I can do absolutely nothing without the Father. And we can do no work in our own life. God is sovereign. It's his plan, and until we get that, until we get that God is sovereign, it's his plan, it's not our plan, then we're going to do what Pastor Sid said. We're going to keep going back and forth, and we're going to vacillate. We ask the question, why are we doing the same things over and over? Paul said he had a thorn in his flesh, but he had one. He didn't have the same thing over and over in five or ten or different areas. God is working in those areas, and he is not going to stop. But our part is our responsibility. 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4 says, According as his divine power has given us everything that pertains unto life and godliness, the Holy Spirit gives us everything that we need for life and godliness. We don't need anything else except to know God's word because, see, the Holy Spirit is in there doing our work. But we have to respond in obedience. Say obedience. Do you like that word? I know you kids don't like it still. 
but it's still a word. God loves, yes, and God gives, yes, but God requires, the scripture says that he requires our obedience if we are going to be able to live in fellowship with him every day. You know, we can have a relationship with him, but not experience his fellowship because we let all the sin that is in our life take over. So our part is our responsibility. See how I have it spelt? Response dash ability. That's because we are just to respond. He's already given us the ability through the Holy Spirit. It's not on our shoulders. If I say responsibility, what do you feel like on your shoulders? A little bit more weight added? Something else I've got to do that I can't do? But when we look at it that God is only asking one thing for us to do to respond to what he is doing, and he's already given us the ability to do it if we will intentionally live a life shaped by God's life. Now, I love this little guy. I like the cross because that's our identification. We wear it as jewelry, but it's really our identification. And you know, being a Christian is not a classification. It is our identification. But this little guy reminds me of the story that I heard one day about a little girl running around the track. She was running around the track and the people up in the stand saw her moving her lips. So when she finished the race, they asked her, they said, what were you talking about? And she said, I wasn't talking, I was praying. So someone asked her, what are you praying? And she said, I was praying, Lord, you pick them up and I'll put them down. You pick them up and I'll put them down. Now stop and think about that for a minute. The hard work is the picking up. The natural part is putting them down. And that's how the process of holiness works. God works. He speaks to us through his word and the Holy Spirit. And we respond in obedience. God works. We respond in obedience. God works. We respond in obedience. We are not jumping over a mountain that seems impossible. We are just taking one step at a time. We're taking many steps, M-I-N-I. We're moving in natural increments and having lots of them. They may be small steps, but we're always moving forward. God works, I respond, towards a more Christ-centered life. Now, I know this doesn't apply to any of y'all, but, you know, have you ever had a problem, you husbands and wives, when it was bedtime and you were still angry with one another? And, and, and you can justify that. You're right. He's wrong, right? Isn't that the way that it goes? Well, but God's word says not to let the sun go down on your wrath. We think of all these things as these big, hairy sins that are up here, and we don't do any of those, so we feel pretty good about ourselves. But he says, don't let the sin go down on your anger. So what do you do? You're still angry and the Holy Spirit brings this to your mind that you know you're not supposed to do that. And you either respond in obedience and you take a step. Or you stay stuck. And if we're not responding in obedience, we are not moving anywhere. We're stuck. This gets really tiring. It gets really hard. And it doesn't take us any place in real life. 
but when we respond in obedience. Now, the next morning, you get up and you've gone and said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to act that way, but the next morning it comes right back and you just think, what am I going to do with that? And you remember to be angry and sin not because that's what God's word says. So you handle the problem the way that God would have you to have it is his man and his woman, and you've taken another step. Let me ask you a question. In our relationships, if we just responded in obedience to what God's word said, how different would they be? How different would it be if he said, put off that bitterness that you feel right now, and you respond in obedience? And then he says to forgive someone, and you respond in obedience instead of holding on to it. Doesn't it get really tiring here? The process of holiness and being set apart and not looking like the rest of the world is not staying stuck here, but responding in obedience. You know, it's God works, we respond. God works, we respond. God works, we respond. It's that unforced rhythm of God's grace working in our life. And all he's asked us to do is to respond in obedience. Now, the biggest problem that we have with this is that I learned all too late that spiritual warfare is real. You know, we didn't talk about it much when I was young. Satan is not this little comic person that has a red suit on. <laughs> he doesn't have a long tail and pointed ears. He's not like the little kids that go trick-or-treating on Halloween. He's real. Mark 1.12 says he's dangerous. He's an enemy of God. Matthew 13.19 says my life's encounter with him have proven to be an adversary because he's the evil one. He's the father of lies. He's the master deceiver. He's a lion roaring. He is the ruler of this world's culture. And he's having a stronghold on God's people who are disregarding God and being deceived and not responding in obedience. I think about the Garden of Eden and I realize that the enemy did not sell Eve on himself. He sold Eve on herself, on what she wanted and what she thought she needed and that she wanted that ability. But you know what? We look and think spiritual warfare is out there, all these people coming at us and doing these things that are hurting us, don't we? And we call it spiritual warfare. When couples are having problems, they're saying it's spiritual warfare. And we need to recognize it as spiritual warfare. We need to understand that we're not fighting that person. We are fighting for that person because that's what God has given us to do. But spiritual warfare is not out there. Spiritual warfare is in here. Every bit of it. Because it's how we and our hearts and our minds are and how we are responding to God. This is what I learned. Is that sin is a self-indulging nature. It's very simple. If I'm going to make a choice because it's going to indulge me and it's not in accordance with God's word, I'm just indulging myself. We look at the bad sins again, but we don't look at the bitterness. We don't look at the, I know I need to spend time with God and I know that's what he's telling me to do, but I really need to want to go do this. We don't think about not spending time with him as being sin, but we were created to worship him. Anything that is a self-indulging nature. 
The other side that lives inside of us is a spirit-obedient nature. And when our spirit and the choices we make are obedient to him, it reflects the sun in everything that we do. It shows Christ the world. It shows them the holiness. It shows them the difference. It shows them how it's not about real life and real living. It's not about what we get when we get into eternity. Our real life, our eternal life starts the day we accept Christ and goes throughout eternity. It's real simple. God didn't make it complicated. He just said, are the choices you're making self-indulging natures, which is that human nature. But you're my children. You're no longer human beings with just a human spirit. But you are spiritual being with my spirit. Listen to him and have a spirit-obedient nature. I love this little poem that I learned years ago. It was in a book called Adjust or Self-Destruct. Two natures beat within my breast. The one is evil, the other is blessed. The one I love, the other I hate. The one I feed will dominate. And the last thing is that God's word works. In Romans 12, 2, he says, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm reading from a different version, so let's read from this one. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and perfect and pleasing. And you know, that's something that we really need to take to heart. We have to transform our mind before we can respond in obedience. Because as long as we think what we're doing is okay and we haven't transformed our mind to the way that God's word speaks, we're going to stay stuck up here because we're going to wrestle and we're going to justify. And boy, have I had a hard time doing that in my life. What about you? Do you wrestle with those things? Is it hard sometimes? And then you turn around and you think, why in the world did I do that again? Well, God says that his people, his children, his men, his women will not practice sin. So how do we intentionally not practice sin? Well, I'm kind of dense up here sometimes, and I get kind of busy, and a million things run through my mind. So one day I was reading, and I said, okay, Lord, I'm just like Peter. And Peter was the apostle who was close to Jesus. He always tried to tell him what to do. He tried to he cut the ear off of the man in the garden. I'd have cut the whole head. I mean, it's just one of those things where really and truly, Peter was always opening his mouth, inserting his foot. And he told Jesus, I'll never fail you or forsake you. Any of you ever say that? I won't do that again. I won't go back on him. And he says, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. Peter says, never. Guess what happened? Before the cock, three times. And what did Peter do? He wept. He grieved. Because the, he was brought to remembrance what Jesus had said to him. And I said, okay, I need cock-a-doodle-doos because I don't remember these things all the time. And I started intentionally developing cock-a-doodle-doos. Now laugh at me. Go ahead. I know this sounds silly. But I had right beside my desk on my office, I had this little box of little prayer cards. And it was 
touching my telephone. And every time I picked up that telephone, I saw that box at the same time. And it reminded me that when I picked up that box, that that was Jesus answering the telephone. It wasn't just me. But everyone knew that I was a believer because I didn't keep it quiet. So however I responded was going to either be for or against him. I had one of those fish symbols that someone made me in my window. And I would sit there and a salesman would come in and try and talk me into doing things. And I wanted to just tell him that what they were doing was trying to sell me a bucket of lard or something. Instead of doing that, I was kind and considerate and I responded the right way. Most of the time, it worked. But when it didn't work, then God had the Holy Spirit coming in. You know, I got lots of those stoplights remind me that I am to stop and pray. Every time I say the word I, it reminds me that it's the middle letter of him and his. And that I'm wrapped up in him and I better get out of myself because it's not all about me anymore. They're silly. But there are things that I had to intentionally get in my mind so that I could transform my mind to the mind of Christ. I had a gal in one of my conferences in Nashville one year and she had been somewhere else I was and I had talked about the cockadoodledoos. When I started talking about cockadoodledoos, she said, can I tell you my cockadoodledoo? And I said, yeah. And she said, well... I'm an adulterous woman. I'm the woman at the well. And she said, I painted my thumb red. And it's the only one that's red. And she said, now every time I look at it, I remember it's covered by the blood. And she says, but every time that somebody asks me about it, I get to tell them my story and how my sins were covered by the blood. It was her cock-a-doodle-doo to remind her that she was a new creation in Christ. Well, I found out that I had to develop something that when I went to God's Word, that I needed to know that I was not just sitting there. I can remember Steve Pettit saying several years ago, it's been quite a few now, he's, he said, I don't want you to read your Bibles anymore. And I wanted to come up in arms because, see, I believe that we are to saturate ourselves in God's Word. But you know he's right. We don't want to. Don't open that Bible just to study Open that Bible to hear your father's voice because he wants to speak to you. And I developed this little mini marker that I have that I keep in my Bible because every time that I open the word, it reminds me that I am in there to hear something that God wants me to use to transform my mind to the mind of Christ. And it starts out by doing a reality check. And I journal, so I'll write down what's going on in my mind at that time and say, okay, God, please speak to me, or issues, or prayers that I have for people. And I get to the reality of what's really going on in life first. And then the second thing on my little marker is God's word says what I need to know. And God's word is truth. Jesus said it is the defining truth. It is the transforming truth. It's our GPS. Because when we're making those steps every day and we're not even thinking about it, because, see, we don't have to think about it. If we're walking in sync with God, we can just go along like this and have a merry little time. It's when we don't know what to do or it's when we start to take the wrong step that that gut comes in, that the GPS comes in and says, recalculate, recalculate, recalculate. 
because the Holy Spirit is going to bring it to remembrance. You know, I won't keep going all that I have to say about God's Word because anyone that knows me knows that I truly believe to study to show thyself approved a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. So you can rightly divide the Word of Truth as you're making your choices every day. But see, when God's Word comes, it's only information when you read it. It's a tandem. Information and revelation of the Holy Spirit revealing to us what he wants us to hear. And this is where we get stuck. We have to stop. Because every time we read one of God's truths, and it's about something we need to make a choice on, or something we're doing, or something he wants to teach us, we have to stop and make a choice. See, the only thing we control in life is our choices. <laughs> we can't control anything else. We can't do anything else. We only control our own choices. And I've either got to make a choice to ignore God and what he says. Boy, that's harsh, isn't it? We don't want to say, I just ignored God. Any of y'all want to say, I just dissed him? But we do. Because when we know what God's word says and we don't do it, we're ignoring God. The second choice we have is that we can wrestle with it. And the Bible talks to us about wrestling. Oswald Chambers, in his December 15th devotion, says that if you don't wrestle with God's word and get it clear so that you can pass it on to someone else, they will be poorer every day of their life, and so will you. We're going to be poor if we don't wrestle with God's word. Why wouldn't we do God's word? Why would we wrestle? Well, it's real simple. It's real human. You know, I might lose a friend if I did it God's way. I might feel like my husband or wife is taking advantage of me if I'm doing it God's way. I might lose that someone in my business that they want me to do it and it's the wrong thing to do, but if I don't do it the way they want me to do it, it's not going to be there. If I don't make the choice to go someplace that I shouldn't go, then I'm not going to be in with the in crowd. There's all kinds of real reasons that we wrestle with God's word. Admit them and wrestle with them until you get it. Because the last thing is being able to say, I got it, God. I got it. It's not going to be easy. It might be hard, but I will practice it over and over because when it says to transform our mind it says renew the mind and that means over and over and over and over and over and over again with some of the things in our life because we're going to have to practice them in order for them not to be intentional but to be instinctive in our life and the choices move on to spiritual truths expressed practically because when I get to there I say okay God you just spoke to me now, how am I going to take that spiritual truth and express it practically? That's an acrostic for a step. Because you know what it is? A step in our spiritual journey is only taking a spiritual truth and expressing it practically. Can I get an amen on that one? That's what it is. It's not, God has not made this rocket science. He's given it to us. You know, in fact, in the message, if you go to Hebrews 6.1, he says, quit being children who are finger painting. <laughs> Get up and do it God's way. And that's the application. And this is what I love because that brings me to the place that I'm living in fellowship every day with the master.
I sense his presence. I know he's there. I know that I'm not on my own and that I don't have to make my own decisions. And that's an acrostic too, living in fellowship every day. If you want to know about it, go read 1 John. But that's an acrostic for life. And that's what real life in Jesus Christ is. It's living in fellowship every day with the Master. Now, I have to admit that life is a test. And I've failed a bunch of them. (laughs) But God tells us through his word to fail forward. Read all about Peter. He was always failing forward. We're not failures in our spiritual journey. We just take it and we stumble and we go this way. And then we get God works and we respond differently in obedience to him. But we need things. You know, when we first accept, when my husband John at first accepted Christ, he had a plaque made and he had it put on our front door and it said the Lord and the West live here. Well, every time you walked in the door, you were reminded that the Lord and the West live here. Or you should be. Well, one day we had just moved into a new home and he had already put that sign up on the door that says the Lord and the West live here. And they had had more mistakes in that house than you can imagine. I had workmen back all the time. I was at my nth degree. And here comes this man, and I am just ready when he comes down those stairs that I am going to give him a piece of my mind. He comes down the stairs, and he looks at me, and he says, By the way, what does it mean the Lord and the West live here? What a reminder. What a difference it would have made. And how I had responded because he'd already seen it. Are you claiming to be a Christian? Do you tell people? That's it. Does the Holy Spirit live here? And what does that mean in our everyday lives? If we're really going to get there, we're going to have to practice it over and over and over again. Think about it for a minute. God's word is really quite straightforward. He says he requires us to intentionally, say intentionally, live a life shaped by God's life. How can we do that? Through the Word and the Holy Spirit. God's life living in us. It really comes down to two things, love and obedience. John 14, 15 And the Amplified says, if you really love me, you will obey my commands. And 1 John 5, 3 says, loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. So why do we need to evaluate ourselves?